The following message is presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Now the message. Karen and I will never forget you. You have been so kind to us. I feel like we have cheated you the last month or so. And for that, I apologize, but I couldn't help it. We did not intend for things to go as they have, but God knows what's best and good. If I had one last sermon to preach, what would I say? I went to a preaching conference several years ago in Waco, Texas, and the last preacher of the session was Lloyd Elder. He later became the president of what then was the Sunday School Board. It's north of, I mean, it's... uh, uh, Lifeway now, and he used this title as the title for his message. I don't remember the text that he preached from, so I didn't steal his sermon. But he said if this was the last sermon he would ever preach, he would do four things. Listen carefully. He said, I would ponder carefully my own life. That is, I would check out how I'm doing. Secondly, I would prepare the message carefully. Thirdly, he said, I would preach energetically and I would plead for decisions. That ought to be true of every sermon, not just the last sermon that you preach. Then he told a story that was very interesting from his childhood. On a Sunday night service, a quartet sang, If We Never Meet Again This Side of Heaven. Do you know that song? Sure you do. After they had sung it, the pastor stood up. His name was um, Gentry, not related, I guess, to our Gentries. But he said, you know, if we never met again, if this was the last time I would ever preach, I think I would preach exactly what the Lord has laid on my heart for tonight. The next day, Monday morning, he and another pastor were in a building program, and they were going to look at pews to buy for one of those churches. And on the way to buy the pews, they had a head-on collision and was killed instantly. Later on in the week, when they had the funeral service for their pastor, they remembered the words that he said, If I never had another sermon to preach, I would preach what I'm going to preach today. Well, most likely I will never speak from this pulpit again. And the things that I think God has laid on my heart, I would probably say if that were true. If you were in my shoes, what would you say to this congregation? How would you address if you knew you would never speak again? There's coming a time when all of us are going to speak our last You will teach your last Sunday school class lesson. You will sing your last song. You will listen to your last sermon. What would you say if this was the last time for us? Well, the Lord, after the crucifixion resurrection, met with the disciples on a number of occasions 
And on this particular occasion, that's recorded in the 21st chapter of the Gospel of John, is probably the last recorded words that we have that Jesus spoke to Peter. You remember Peter. He was that boisterous, probably had hoof and mouth disease or sandal and mouth disease because he seemed to put his foot in his mouth a lot. He was the one that boldly said to Jesus on the night of the Passover Haggadah they had, that he would never, ever, ever, ever do anything but serve the Lord. And Jesus said to Peter, Before the rooster crows in the morning, you will have denied me three times. And Peter did. You know the story. Can you imagine how Peter felt? The crucifixion had taken place. The resurrection had already occurred. And two or three times, Jesus had appeared to the disciples. The disciples were in Galilee. And Peter, being a fisherman by training and trade, apparently had several other disciples with him. And he said in the first part of John chapter 21, I'm going fishing. Scholars have debated what did he mean. Did he mean he was just going on another fishing trip or was he going back to the fishing business? We don't really know, but he and John and several other disciples were together. And they fished all night. They had nets. They didn't cast and fish like I do a spinnerbait or a lizard at night. They, they threw a net. And they had done it all night long on the Sea of Galilee. I've been there many times, and I have seen fishermen out there. Early in the morning, about daylight it looks like, Jesus, they did not know it was Jesus, but he was on the bank on the shore. And they were probably less than a hundred yards, and he hollered, Hey men, have you caught any fish? They were not Texans, because they said, No, we hadn't caught anything. If they were Texans, they would have bragged about what they caught and released. But uh, uh, they said, No. And Jesus said the strangest thing. Well, cast your net on the other side. Can you imagine they had fished all night? They'd probably drug all over that little old sea of Galilee. It's really not a saltwater sea, it's a freshwater lake. And when they dropped the nets, it was so full of fish, they counted them later, 153 big fish. It was so full they were surprised the nets didn't break with the weight of the fish. And they knew immediately who it was. That's Jesus on the shore. And Peter put on his outside coat or whatever they call it. And he jumped in and swam to shore ahead of the boat. And when he got there, Jesus had cooked fish and bread. And I guess they had water to drink. He said, come. The old King James says, dine with me. They ate that food that Jesus had prepared And then, apparently, Jesus invited Peter to go walking with him, and John came. And as they were walking along, Jesus spoke to them. And as far as I know, these are the last recorded messages that Jesus spoke to Peter. I want to look at it with you because if I had one last sermon to preach, I would want to take from this text and share with you what I want to say to you, the first is to accept Jesus' invitation. Look in verse 12. 
This is after he had called out to them, after they had come to shore. Simon Peter went up and dragged the debt full of large fish, 153. And although they were so many, the net was not well, held fast. Jesus said to them, this is his invitation, Come, come and eat. They'd heard that invitation many times in different contexts. But if I had anything to say, it would be to accept the Lord's invitation to come to Him. There is no greater invitation ever extended to anyone than the resurrected Lord Jesus saying, Come, just come and establish a relationship with me. Come. They had heard Him many times use that same word. Come after me and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. They heard him preach and say, Come unto me, all ye that labor heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. They had seen people come to him, and here he is inviting them again. Never forget the invitation. Come and establish this relationship with me. And God is calling men and women and boys and girls still to come and hear that invitation and respond to it in a positive way. Have you done that? Have you heard the Lord knock at your heart's door and, and have you invited Him to come in? There's no greater invitation ever extended than that invitation to come. Come. Then He says, Come and eat. Dine, the old King James says. Do you know why that's important? This is invitation, not just to have a relationship, but a fellowship with the Lord. What do you do when you go to somebody's house? You normally eat, don't you? It's a time of, of celebrating relationships, and Jesus is saying to them, I want you to come and fellowship with me. And the greatest burden on my heart is that those of us who know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior will also have a relationship with Him that is fellowship. Get to know the Lord. Get to, to enjoy Him. Come to hear what He has to say in His precious Word and come to understand who He is and what He wants to do in your life. Don't Run away from God. No, embrace Him. That's exactly what Jesus says. Come and then fellowship with me. Oh, John knew about that. You read the first chapter of this gospel, or not the gospel, the, the first letter of John, and he says, we knew Him, we touched Him, we, we, we heard Him, we, we had a relationship with Him, and the fellowship that we enjoyed with Him, we want you to have with Him. And this John was there that morning when they heard Jesus say, Come and eat with me. Remember when Jesus said in Revelation chapter 21, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, what? I will come in and we will, the old King James says, sup 
That means to eat. And it's not just when we get to heaven and we have that, the marriage supper of the Lamb, that's going to be wonderful. But it's an invitation to relationship, to have a friendship relationship with the Lord. And I trust that you would if you don't. If I had one last word to say, it would be accept Christ's invitation. Grow in a relationship with Him. The second thing I would say would be mind your own business. <laughs> that sounds kind of strange, doesn't it? Look down in verse 22 and following, and you'll see that Jesus apparently had invited Peter, and then John was following along behind them, and Jesus says something strange to Peter. He says, Peter, when you were young, basically you did what you wanted to do. You went where you wanted to go. But when you were old, somebody's going to have to lead you and guide you, and you're going to stretch out your hands, indicating the kind of death that you're going to die. And Peter turned to Jesus and he said, Well, what about John? Did you hear what Jesus said? Let me read it. What is that to you? If, let me find it. What is that to you? If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? What's Jesus saying? Don't be so concerned about other people's relationship. You look at your own life and you follow me. When I think about that, I believe that the Lord is saying to me and maybe to you, We need to mind our own business about several areas of life. We need to mind our business about our families. God has called us men to be the spiritual leaders in our home. He's called us to love our wives like Christ loved the church. He's called wives to support their husbands and to love them. And together they nurture and bring up their children in the admonition of the Lord. And guys, if we don't stand up to the plate, if we don't take the initiative to be the leaders in our home, we're not, we're not minding our own business. Our families are falling apart in America because we have neglected what the Word of God teaches us is their primary responsibility in the home. I challenge us, and I'm speaking to me, to become the leader in the home that God wants us to be. If I had anything to say to us, it would be, guard your family, love them, teach them, bring them up in the Lord's Word, Bring them to church. Do the things that God has taught us to do. And if we do those kinds of things, God will bless your family. 
So mind your own business. Take care of your home. But I would say mind your own business in the church. Churches across America are struggling. And I think it's because we have not done or had the commitment to the church that God has intended. He says he loves the church and died for the church. Not a building, but the body of Christ is so vitally important. We need to mind our own business about our commitment to the church. We're currently going through this church revitalization. And guys, I tell you, I I cannot impress upon you how important I think this is. And to be frankly honest, I've been disappointed that so many have, uh, have not participated in that. Do you not know that the future of First Baptist Church may be in our hands? We need to step up and be committed to a Bible teaching program, to the education and, and to all the things that God intends the church to be and to do. And if I had anything to say in this last sermon, it would be mind your business and do what you need to do in the church. How important is Bible study? How important is prayer meeting? How important is serving the Lord in the ministry of the church? Mind your own business. And I would say mind your own business in the community, in the world. I mentioned before that there's a Christian radio program called Point of View. Maybe you have an opportunity to hear it every now and then. Kirby Anderson is is the host, and he's, I think, one of the most intelligent men I've ever listened to. I signed up and get an email from him every day, and it's related to issues in America. And just the last week or so, he's had several interviews or messages about the conditions in the world and One of those was entitled America's Sick. And with some statistics that were taken, the LGBTQ focus in America has tremendous potential to destroy all the morality in our country. They did a survey in 1998. 70% of the people in that survey said that patriotism was important. That same survey in 2023, 39% said patriotism is important. In 2000, excuse me, in 1998, 62% of Americans polled said religion was important in their life. Last year, the last poll, 39% of Americans said religion was important in their life. Do you see the trends? 29% in that survey said they believe the Bible was true. 
believe that you could choose your gender. If you're a boy living in a girl's body, then you didn't have to be a girl or a boy. And they're teaching that in our preschools and in our elementary schools. Does God not have anything to do with who you are? He did to the prophet Jeremiah when he says to him, Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you and ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. He said to David, or David said back to him, You formed me in my mother's womb. We need a revival in America, and it's going to have to come from God's people. 71% believe same-sex marriage is acceptable when God says it isn't. 70% believe that Jesus is not the only way to salvation. If we believers do not stand up for what's right... Not based upon party, but based upon what the Word of God says, how can our nation ever survive? 62% believe religion was important in 98, and 39% believe it's important in 2023. What I'm saying to me and to us is, We need to mind our own business, and part of that business is being the citizen that God wants us to be in our country. Well, if I had one last sermon to preach, it would not just be accept the invitation for relationship and fellowship with Christ, or to mind your own business, it would be simply to follow Jesus. Go back in that passage of Scripture and When Jesus and John and Peter are walking along, Jesus asks questions of Peter. Peter, do you love me more than these? What are the these that Jesus is referring to? The other disciples? The fish? We really don't know. But you've heard this passage of Scripture without a doubt preached before, and you probably know that There's at least four words in the Greek language that are translated love in the English. Three of those are in the New Testament. The word eros is not. It's the erotic love that is physical, sexual kind of love, which is vitally important in life. But there's a word storge that is family love. There's a word phileo, or the noun philia that we get our word Philadelphia from, that's brotherly love, and then the divine kind of love is agape. You've heard that many times, I'm sure. Did you know that Jesus, when he asked the question, three times, the first two, he uses the word agape. Peter, do you love me with a divine kind of love? And you know how Peter answered? Phileo. I love you as a brother. I love you in that kind of relationship. 
Peter, do you love me? With a divine kind of love. Well, the Lord, you know I love you as a brother. Finally, Jesus, in the last question, uses Peter's word. Do you love me as a brother? Don't you know that cut Peter to the heart because three times he had denied that he knew the Lord and here Jesus is restoring him, I think, to a relationship. But he's saying, Peter, do you really love me? Do you care who I am and what I want you to be and to do? Do you love me? When we follow Jesus, the first marker is always, do we love him? Jesus, in answer a question, what's the greatest commandment, said to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And here he's calling Peter and me and you to love him. And to love him with all your heart. And to demonstrate that kind of love by showing it, living it. And so, if I had one last sermon to preach, I would say follow Jesus. And you follow him, first of all, by loving him. And then secondly, by serving him. Jesus said, feed my lambs. If you love me, shepherd my sheep. Take care of them. Courage them. Guide them. Provide for them. If you love me, pasture my dear sheep, my little ones. Take good care of the little ones. If I had one last sermon to preach, I would encourage you to love the Lord and to serve him. Several years ago, the whole mission board then, North American Mission Board now, sent a reporter by the name of Harold Dye to the Cumberland Mountains in eastern Kentucky. They wanted him to write a story about a preacher who was 82 years of age, who had pastored that one church over 50 years. His name was Brother Petrie. Harold I went and found him. He was sitting on his front porch. They began to talk a little bit, and then Harold I asked him, Brother Petrie, what's the greatest thing that ever happened to you in the 50 years that you pastored this church? Brother Petrie kind of smiled, and he said, Well, I guess the greatest thing that ever happened was just two weeks ago when they named the church Peter Memorial Baptist Church. And then he said, they did something strange that day. Everybody that came in, the ushers gave them a rose, but they didn't give me any. And I didn't know what to think about that till the new pastor asked me to come up on the platform and just stand there. And then he said, if Brother Petrie has been instrumental in teaching you and leading you to accept Christ as Savior, or encouraging you in your Christian growth, I want you to come pin a rose on him. And he said, you wouldn't believe 
they began to come and they put roses all over my lapel and ran out of room and they put it on the front of my jacket and then they put it down my sleeves and they put it even down my legs and every place on me was covered up. I stood there like a blooming idiot. (laughs) And then with a tear in his eye, he said, I wouldn't trade those roses for all the gold in Fort Knox. I wouldn't trade those for all of the metal in these here hills. I wouldn't trade those for all the hardwood in the forest around us. Because one day, I'll be in heaven, and I may meet some of those people that I led to faith in Jesus Christ. It means a lot to me. And I wonder if I or you were recognized like that. Would there be any roses on our lapel? Would there be any celebrations in heaven because you have invited or explained or led someone to faith in Christ? Is there anything more important in life than eternal life? And I'm convinced the Bible is true. Jesus is the only way to God. For he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. If I had one last sermon to preach, I would say accept God's invitation. And if you haven't done it yet, today's a good day to do it. Accept his invitation to salvation. Accept his invitation to fellowship. Eat with him. Enjoy who he is. And I would say, mind your own business. Or you being the Christian husband or wife that you need to be parent or grandparent? Is your home reflecting the Lord Jesus? Are you faithful to the church? Are you minding your business there? Do you come? Do you pray? Do you support? Do you serve? Every Christian has a spiritual gift that's to be used in the ministry of the church. How well are we doing? And oh, our country is in great need of us. All of us. To mind our business in being a godly citizen of our country. If I had one last sermon to preach, it'd be follow Jesus, love him, and serve him. Karen and I will never forget your kindnesses to us. You had no reason to do what you've done for us, but we deeply appreciate it. And I encourage you to be the person that God wants you to be in this place.
Bow with me as we pray. In a moment, we're going to sing a hymn of invitation that you know well. Let's turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of life will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Have you followed him a believer's baptism? Are you faithfully serving him by serving in the church? What's God speak to you from this last conversation that we have recorded that he spoke to Peter? I pray that today, as we each do business with God, that we'll leave this place totally dedicated to him. Father, thank you for the words recorded in John 21. They're a challenge to me. A challenge to cultivate a relationship with you that is a good relationship. Help me to be better of minding the business of the business. And to never fail to love you and to serve you. And I pray for every person in this room. You're speaking to us. I know you are. And I pray that we'll be obedient as we do business with you. We want to turn our eyes upon you today and accept you. So help us to do that. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about the church, including contact information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org Thank you for listening and may God bless you.